Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pet, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of The Host Show. I'm your host, Jesper Rivers, and we release a new episode of this show every Monday. Now, in these episodes, I interview Airbnb hosts from all around the world to share their stories and provide tips and tricks on how to get started and be successful as an Airbnb host. Now, this episode is brought to you by the Rising Stars Mastermind, which is the only mastermind for short-term rental hosts focused on building hospitality brands and scaling their hosting companies. This mastermind has been around for about two years, and it's been exclusive to our Legends X graduates. But Eric and I have decided for the first time ever that we're now opening it up for a select group of like-minded hosts to join the mastermind. Now, this mastermind is not for beginners. It's not for people who want to get started on Airbnb and talk about you know optimizing listings and guest communication and things like that. What we focus on are the things that will actually allow us to scale our companies and build long-term wealth in the short-term rental industry by owning real estate. So we're talking about building systems, we're talking about the hiring teams, developing our leadership skills, developing brands, and how to raise money. If that aligns with you and you're excited to work with myself and Eric for the next 12 months, then I invite you to go over to overnightsuccess.io slash rs and schedule a call with us to see if it's a win-win for you to join our mastermind. Get paid for your pet. 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 What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Get Paid for Your Pad. Today's guest is Mr. Josh Christoph. He's a managing partner of Nomad Capital Ventures, a real estate and property management company out of Jacksonville, Florida. He's been in our Legends Mastermind. He's currently in our Rising Star Mastermind. He also went through Legends X. So we know each other pretty well. Excited to have you on the show. Josh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Jasper. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Today's topic is kind of around how how do you partner with investors to scale the ownership model in the in the short term rental space, which is something that you've very successfully done. So I'm excited to dive into that. But give us a bit more background on your story. How did you get into short term rentals, and and what does your company Nomad Capital Ventures do? Because I know you do a lot of things. So. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Just a, a quick history. So Nomad Capital Ventures is two husband and wife teams. That's me and my wife Cassandra and our business partners Carly and Jared Acosta. We met actually out in Silicon Valley where we were all doing the tech startup thing. And prior to that, we we're actually naval officers, my wife and I, and then Jared and Carly were army officers. So we were connected through a veteran foundation out there. Back in 2016, became really good friends and actually talked about building this business while we were all doing our W-2 gigs out there. So Nomad Capital Ventures is a collection of a couple different types of businesses. First and foremost, in the birth of the original organization was the real estate investment or asset management firm, which we refer to as DK, Asset Management, DaCosta Christoph. We have a construction company, which is DaCosta Christoph Design and Develop. We have a property management business, which is, of course, our guest-facing business, and that's called Nomad Hospitality. And then we recently stood up a brokerage, which is Nomad Realty. So the four of us partnered together. Carly and Jared actually started the business back in 2019, pre-pandemic. 
they had enough of the W2 game in California. Did a bunch of research on markets. Cass and I were initially stationed here at the beaches of Jacksonville, which are just beautiful, lovely community. Unfortunately, everybody's starting to find out about it. So Jared had done a bunch of research and, and came out and tested out their hypothesis on short-term rentals being a viable business model. Tested it with their own capital. That went well and then started raising money and was referred to as a syndication. So you recruit investors and they, they go on the cap table and they're in a limited partner capacity. And Carly and Jared were the general partners. So they would run all the, all the finding the deals and doing the deals and operating and managing them. Cass and I, once COVID hit, fled California, came to Florida, which is where we always wanted to end up for living in this community and started doing a similar portfolio build on the side. And eventually it became clear that the the vision for the company that we had back in the late 2010s was was going to become a reality. And we you know quit our quit our tech jobs and partnered full time with Carly and Jared to establish the business as it is today. Boom. Wow. Impressive. So you have all these companies. Like one question that comes to mind is how do you how do you run like four companies? It sounds it sounds like you, must be, you, you won't get any sleep. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, actually, the lack of sleep is is a derivative of our of our child count. We, my, Cass and I, have four, nine, seven, three, and eleven months, and Carly and Jared have nine, six, and one. So you know, we're, there's seven kiddos that keep us awake and running around and busy. And actually, the the irony of running four businesses and you know thinking about sleep is we built this business expressly to establish time freedom around our families. So yeah, we're working hard, but we you know kind of really manage our minutes pretty strictly. And I guess the other thing is we do have four partners. If this were a, a one person show or a two person show, we'd be just have to hire some higher level employees. And right now our layer is like managing partners and then like everybody else that's in execution mode. So we're the one that are building the processes oftentimes with our, our folks on the ground as well. I mean, the four businesses are very complementary. So I, I mentioned, mentioned the brokerage last, but like really that's the most upstream and I guess downstream in our whole process. So we work with investors or ourselves to identify assets to acquire. Then we turn them over to the construction management business, which will do renovation, design, furnishing, and outfitting of the property before we turn it over to Nomad Hospitality and get it listed you know, on all the short-term rental channels that we love. And you know, eventually, again, further downstream, we'll exit the asset and leverage the brokerage for that transaction as well. Mm. Interesting, right? So there, there's a lot of synergy between your companies. And can you talk about the importance of having separate LLCs for all these different activities? Because I know there's there's people who kind of do a lot of things under one under one roof. Yeah, I mean it's it's protection. I mean the more legal structure you put into place smartly with you know paid consultants to make sure you're doing it effectively. Really, really just gives you protection. I mean, it's minding the the books and the accounting and the entities and the taxes. That's really where it comes into play. It's quite a bit of LLCs that we've got going on in our business, and and that's like a whole nother podcast led by not me. 
you know, that can talk about legal structures and how to do it. We, you know, we pay folks to hear what we're trying to achieve and apply the right structure for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. So one question that comes up a lot when, you know, people thinking about like doing the model that you're doing is like, where do you find the investors to partner with? Yeah, we've been fortunate, I guess, from where we've been in our past. I went to the Naval Academy. My wife went to Marquette and then came to the Navy through OCS. Carly and Jared went to West Point. Now we all went to business school, Syracuse, Notre Dame, the Wharton School. And then we've had a bunch of professional jobs that, you know, tended to have a lot of a lot of really high quality go-getter wealthy individuals that we worked hand in hand with. And so we've been able to raise a lot of capital through our network that way. The Securities and Exchange Commission, which you're pretty familiar with, Jasper, from your past life, but you know, they have some ways that you structure deals. We structure ours as a 506B versus a 506C. Not too much to say about that other than we can't broadcast terms of our deal on like a Facebook ad. We can talk to people about our brand, but it's not until we have a relationship with that person and kind of vet their ability to invest and have the requisite assets and qualify as an accredited investor that they can invest with us. There are some cases where we can take non-accredited investors. But yeah, so a lot of it has just been raised through our networks. I mean, we also partner with this other veteran founded Naval Academy guy investment firm that runs this financial freedom type of seminar targeted around real estate investing and tax strategies. And there are about 250 alumni of that course, really, really impressive folks going through it. So this is White Feather Investments is the firm. We've been able to raise probably, probably around half of the $16 million that we've raised to date through that, through that partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're talking about these these different structures and like accredited investors, all that kind of stuff. Like, do you do you need like a compliance person on your team, or or is this something that where you can just hire some contractors to figure this stuff out? Yeah, we work with our tax and accounting firm. They act as a registered agent for us, and they manage our LLC, like keep them up to date and active on an annual basis. We have an attorney that writes our operating agreements both for the one-off syndications and we've done, we've got two funds so far. So, so they'll write an operating agreement for that, which can be pretty, uh, you know, pretty intense. We definitely want to have that and require that, you know, when we started out, Carly had outsourced that and I had gone directly on the SEC and registered all my syndications. And I certainly prefer to outsource that, but, you know, in the very early days being scrappy, you know, taking out the trash and filing with the SEC. So, yeah, so it's so you 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 can absolutely outsource that. But you know with with most things as it relates with outsourcing, some level of familiarity and understanding of what you're paying for, we always found is really really necessary. So, I mean, you know, I've pulled the acoustical ceilings down on some of the renovations I've done where, you know, roach droppings were falling in my hair, probably would have worn a hairnet or a hat and I uh, expected that coming up. But now I know what my contracts are looking at. We're there with the plumber and redesigned, you know, some of the bathroom renovations we're going to do. So we've all acted as general contractors before we hired a general contractor to have on staff for our construction company. Right. So you kind of, you're getting in the trenches a little bit yourself first and you understand the what's, what's involved, you understand the process before you start outsourcing it essentially. Yeah, and I think when you're you're trying to get something off the ground, you know, in order to provide the best possible return for investors and like really build a 
you know, a resilient business. I think my, my opinion, I mean, coming from military operations world, we're pretty good at, you know, doing work on the ground. And, you know, so we applied a lot of those learnings from our past lives, you know, into this one. Certainly agree with yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Well, what would your advice be for somebody who's listening and thinking like, hey, this is, a, I want to, I want to go into the ownership model. Like partnering with investors is a great way to, you know, to build up equity without having to, you know, either get a mortgage or, or investing, you know, your own money. So like, what, what would your advice be for people that, that want to get into this, into a similar, a similar model? You know, a lot of things, and I think every business is different, just like every property management business runs itself a very different way. So you got to think about your goals and what you're looking to do. We do take leverage. So we have long-term notes or we'll refi out of a, out of a bridge loan into a long-term note on our deal. So we do have leverage. So it's not all cash deals, you know, just qualify that. You really got to understand the market. A lot of people jumped in in 2021. I mean, ourselves included. That was a magical money-making year. And it's a lot more difficult than it used to be to make money in this game because everybody's jumping in. You know, we talk about entering a regulated or non-regulated market. There's merits to enter both of them. You know, so you've got to determine how you how you want to play that game. As far as the investment goes, working with investors and, and thinking about the money that you're taking. I mean, we've taken the tack of we're gonna scope the deals and do the deals. I mean, we've talked to plenty of folks that are willing to stroke large checks, but they want to do the deals they want to do. And that's just like not a good fit with our core product, which is short-term rentals in the Jacksonville Beach area, primarily a little bit in the metro area, where we'll kind of look to expand there. You know, so I think that, and then like, it's really a, a math equation with a sensitivity analysis against your projections. So, hey, if this goes terribly... In, in the worst case, or or like the you know within two standard deviations, worst case scenario, so somewhat reasonable to hit that, then I'll be okay, and you know my investors will be okay. You know they'll be bummed we didn't get what we projected, but you know life is good and it's better than you know losing all your money in market securities. You know with an index fund these past few years, so you know some downside protection for them in a diversified portfolio as well. And certainly a lot of opportunity to access upside. You know, there's a lot to say, I guess, about it, advice. I generally don't like to offer advice. I just kind of share experiences to accelerate learning for folks because it, because it's really, really different for what everybody's skills, capabilities, talents, and desires are and goals from an investment standpoint. I mean, some investors are happy with lower returns. Others are really targeting higher returns. You know, there's a the risk reward trade-off. Is there, is there any, anything else that investors care about in your experience or do they just look at the numbers? I mean, the, the single most important factor, and this is why we stay close to home, is trust. We've talked with folks that allocate capital to a bunch of different deals. And I think you know, a lot of trust comes from sh shared or similar experiences or backgrounds or experiences and backgrounds that people can relate to and say, hey, that, you know, I, I like that. So the speed of trust is really important for the operator. So you know, the, that about me slide like is a lot of where we've been. And, and then as we grow, continue to grow our operating history, that's naturally when you talk about it. So when you're starting from zero, you maybe have some operating history, but maybe you don't. So you're going to have to sell why you're a good fit to run this business. I mean, 
you know, we built the property management company as a function of necessity. So we didn't see an operator in the market that was going to generate the return profile that we were targeting. They were also going to cost a lot more. And we didn't think we thought we could do it better than them. So we built it, I would say for better or for worse, but definitely for better in this case. So, but there are investors out there that, you know, will take capital and, you know, have someone, you know, take responsibility of, of taking care of their money, but not manage the place and, and kind of have that control. But it's, it's all, it's all how you want to build, build your business really. Yeah. Yeah. Every business is unique. The other thing, you know, I mean, trust I mentioned was really important, certainly the numbers. So like we'll provide, you know, as much as possible in the case of a fund, it's hard to provide the pro forma or the profit and loss statement projections for, for every deal. Because in the case of a fund, we haven't targeted a lot of assets, but when we first started off, We'd acquire one two three Main Street, put it under one two three Main Street LLC, and be able to show exactly how we believe that asset was going to perform. So investors care about that as well. Yeah, it's certainly the numbers with it without a doubt, but it is you know the trust factor is so important. I mean, so many great business models out there that just have the wrong people operating, and plenty of folks we've talked to have been burned bad in the past mm-hmm. you know so they take a little bit more work to you know get them on board or, or say hey maybe this isn't the right thing for you i think that's another to just do one more thing is to is to be qualifying your investors right and qualifying means is this investment a good fit based on what i'm learning and know about this person so in our case we do a seven to ten year hold so we say this is an illiquid investment if you think you're going to need your money in five years for non-emergency reasons, like we should talk at a time when you think you can, you know, have a longer period hold. In the case that there is an emergency, we'll absolutely help broker, you know, them out of uh, out of the deal so you can pull out their cash. But yeah, so I think that's another important thing is knowing what your investor looks for and don't, you know, they either like it or they don't. So you tell your story, you give your pitch. And, and it's kind of like if you get to know quicker, you know, it's kind of the old sales adage, get to know quick, that's a, that's a win. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. So setting setting the right expectations sounds like is really important as well. Yeah, I, I I certainly think so. I mean, it's a lot of responsibility. Our minimal capital commitment in these days in the fund is fifty thousand dollars. So, you know, for some folks that are placing their first fifty k in an alternative asset class, it's a big deal and they care a ton about it. For other folks, they make. 10 plus placements like that a year, they write us a bigger check and they're just kind of like, Hey, I found somebody that I trust and it's good. And I'll see the reports and I'm happy with it. It's kind of interesting. The bigger the check generally is easier to get um, than the smaller checks, which is, you know, maybe a little little bit counterintuitive, but you know, we, we do kind of see that to be the case. So. Is it the same completely like, for example, for, you know, as you know, for our, the business that Eric and I are building for Freewild, we, we just have one investor right now. And as, as I hear you talking about like, oh, you know, like 50K is the minimum, like you might have like quite a lot of investors. Does that require a lot of management to have so many people involved? Yeah, it does. I, I mean, this is a, a, a constant effort for us is to do better in this area, specifically with investor communications. And so we've onboarded a software manages our whole flow. So... You know, if we give you access to our portal, you could actually self-serve all the way up and wire money into our account. That point, we would you know either accept or not accept you know your money. In all cases, when people are doing that, we accept 
the money because we know that person before we invite them to the portal. And knowing a person is as short as or as simple as you introduce me to a cousin of yours who lives in Idaho and I have a call with them. We talk about the deal. I get to understand their situation. I talk to them about the investment and then we know each other. So that's how the FCC defines having a relationship. Yeah. So there's that. So I think I missed does, another does, part of the question you just answered. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't really entail that much then form a relationship from the SEC's perspective. And by the way, for people listening, SEC Security and Exchange Commission can oversees, I guess, a lot of activity financially, right? Financial activities. So, but yeah, just like a 10 minute phone call, that's enough for you to build a relationship and there are it's probably gonna be a little bit longer than 10 minutes generally <laughs> you know to get it to get a full sense because you know part of relationship building is getting to know where he's from what they do about their family at least that's the way i do it so you know before we get down to talking shop generally is like that's important for us like i'm not gonna somebody is just like hey just give me the deal i, I want access to the mm-hmm. portal like that for me is like wave off. We, it's not probably not yeah. how we want to start this relationship. Sure. Sure. So, how many how many properties do you currently have under management? We have about fifty under management, which gives us eighty short term doors. We have another thirty or so in active renovation, and then we have seventy long term doors. So, a lot of these properties are multifamily units. Yeah. Okay. That's a pretty pretty sizable portfolio. What are what are some things that you've learned like from the management side of how do how do we actually because obviously like the return on investment is very important for the investors so you got to drive you got to drive like high revenues what what are some things that you've learned that give you like that that higher that high return <laughs> so many things I mean, it's really been quite a journey learning all of this i mean from pms selection to process implementation Right now, with a buddy of mine from business school, I'm building a data product that's going to take a bunch of our enterprise applications. And we've got a ETL, basically a tool that takes our data and makes it usable. And then we dump it in Snowflake, which is a data warehouse. So we can query that information at scale. Very hard to do that in PMS. We have QuickBooks as our accounting backbone. Very hard to access information, especially since we have like 12 instances of QuickBooks. We've compressed that down into one flat table. For folks that understand what I'm talking about, cool. If not, you know, there's a couple of ways you can Google your way to what I'm talking about, or maybe that's another conversation. But it's it's really like tracking the data and then also benchmarking against the market. So leveraging like Price Labs market data, we use them for dynamic pricing. AirDNA as a tool is really good talking to them about accessing your API to layer that in. And then we partnered with a revenue management consultant for configuration of a lot of our Price Labs where. We're a very large amount of that input. Like, what are we targeting? What are our goals? How we're trying to get there? Not what are our goals, make the most money possible. Like, naturally, that's what we're going for. But, you know, we really value occupancy because that virtuous cycle of reviews, right? You know, you get your conversion through Airbnb, like guest looks, guest converts, guest stays, guest five stars, guest rebooks, like Airbnb loves that. And then you're rewarded with page one. You can't stay on page one if you're not booking frequently. So occupancy is very important to us. Yeah, I think, you know, I mentioned earlier, like the integration with QuickBooks and in that accounting arm, like, I don't believe that full solution exists, because I spent 
you know, man, so many hours trying to figure this out, evaluating a lot of solutions. And as we all know, is in the management side of the house, it's every business is different and no one tool solves every problem. So we're doing a bespoke solution. I actually think it'll be extensible to pretty much anyone when, when we build some of the API connections. So we're, we're building with extensibility in mind to a lot of users, which is really cool. Yeah, I think one of the key things is having your plan, sticking to it, implementing it. So we started really with our revenue consultant back in summer of 22. And just in January and February, two of the worst months here, we had 79% and we're at 87% to close out Feb for occupancy right now. The market's at in, in the low to mid 50s overall right now. So you know, what that signals to us is we've been able to capture a significantly larger share of the market. Like we kind of gave that away in pricing to a certain degree, but I don't think those bookings are happening unless you adjust the pricing. So it's a really, really weird time right now. I think in our markets, we have excessive supply. The demand signal post COVID is down. We were in Florida. It was March. It's warm here. Florida was open. So, I mean, it was just like the the ultimate boon for Florida Airbnb operators. But, you know, we are capturing a lot of value and people wanted some of that value for themselves. So we have a lot more competition in the market. So we're playing a different game, but I think we've gotten to the point where we can kind of put your foot on on the pedal. Got to say that instead of gas, because we've got EVs these days. Put your foot on the pedal and like really throttle up, you know, to capture that consumer surplus or ease off to capture the occupancy. So uh, another tool I built, you know, right now it all lives in Google Sheets is, is giving us a really good signal and trend analysis on what's going on. I think the last thing that I'm really focused on right now is mining our, our booking lead time across bedroom categories. I mean, in theory, because we're starting some little bit of it, instead of zero marketing, you know, some amount on our way to building a, a, a good marketing operation. And if we drive that booking lead time up, that's where a lot of the value lives in the future. Because of course, you're reducing rates in most cases to capture those, you know, two month out, one month out, two weeks out bookings. Yeah. So one thing that, that I found interesting of what you're saying is like you, you really recognize that Airbnb, it's kind of like, it almost it's almost feel like all or nothing sometimes with Airbnb, right? If you if you have if you get all your occupancy or majority from Airbnb, then they're just like you're constantly on the first page, right? Does that mean that you're not using other other OTAs? I mean our our channel lineup is Airbnb, Verbo, Google, Vacation Rentals, and then direct booking. Just organically with not much effort other than some smart messaging, we're at about twelve percent direct bookings. And then we're right now roughly 70% Airbnb. Looking down in the future, a lot of our bookings are actually direct bookings, our highest channel. We've, I think, done some, uh, you know, some good stuff in, in ways to engage our guests. Of course, yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited. So we use Uplisting for our PMS. I'm a huge promoter of that, that PMS. Just really smart, smartly built what they've got so far. And. They're looking to be onboarding the Marriott stays and resorts, which I'm really excited about that one as well. So I'd be in another channel that I'm really excited to jump into as soon as that's available. We're, we're not playing a booking.com game yet. Too many scary stories from other operators. So we've stayed away from that. 
I, I don't know if that's the right decision or not, but we're kind of like to get pro on how a platform operates and, and feel really good about the quality of bookings. And we had a lot of, I mean, Stripe's our payment processor. We got burned by some fraud and chargebacks, and that was really, really painful. And it felt pretty unfair what was going on, but we were able to implement some new procedures for guest checkout that basically make that no longer a problem for us, which is a lot more pleasant than it used to be. <laughs> so mm. yeah. yeah, so it's getting to know these platforms and who shows up and what, what they're trying to do and how they treat your place. And yeah. generally the platforms we're on right now, we feel pretty good about. Yeah. Okay. So do you see, as you start using these other channels, like, do you see, do you see you're losing traction as you're getting bookings on different channels? So you, you don't get as many on Airbnb or do you see that, do you see that as a drawback of doing multi-channel or, or do you think that's not, it's not going to be a big factor? I mean, that it's a delicate dance and, and I don't really think you can back into a statistically significant solution there where you feel that you can know that. I mean, Airbnb is so opaque in what they offer you. So, and I get it. So I think if we had access to a little bit more data and I'm working on figuring that out, I mean, tools like Rainfreeze, Calvin's built there, I think are a really good way where you could start to, you know, back into if, if you're falling off. But again, I, I think that's just like a massive, massive set of data to look at and really attribute that, hey, since we opened up Verbo, it looks like Airbnb is punishing us. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I mean, Airbnb is a huge firm, right? But, you know, from what I've heard, and I've got a couple of colleagues that live there that don't tell me too much, but they're really, really worried about all the other booking channels. I mean, it's like a fiercely competitive space. Mm-hmm. So I think you get rewarded for being primarily on Airbnb with Airbnb, but I, I don't think like net net your business is necessarily rewarded. That may be the case, but it may not be. And there's really a market dependent, the two side marketplace, like where's the supply? It all lives in Verbo and you're the only one on Airbnb when somebody's searching in a Verbo dominated market, they're going to look to Verbo. Sure. If all the you know demand side or guests are coming through Airbnb, I'd, I'd be listed on Airbnb. But it's easy to list on bulk. So, you know, I mean, they're all spending huge amounts of marketing dollars, which is way more than we're willing to spend, which is zero you know, on paid advertising. So we, we kind of let them do the work. And as we organically grow direct bookings, that's goodness for us. And we're pleased when that happens. I, I don't know what the right split is of, uh, <laughs> yeah. of booking booking channels. I know that if we have good occupancy and our rev pars tracking well, and it's the current mix of booking channels are in place, then that's a good fit. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very hard to determine what the optimal combination of of OTAs is you know i think i think everybody agrees that it's important to build a direct booking channel with repeat customers because in the end of the day that's that's the only channel that we really control right but yeah it's hard to it's hard to figure out like what the what the optimal is and i th- definitely agree with you like i think it's very market dependent as well awesome well we're about to wrap up this podcast i appreciate you being here appreciate you being part in our in our community and sharing your wisdom with us always if people want to find out if people want to stay with you or work with you like where where can they go well we're really pleased to announce that we just launched nomadcapitalventures.com 
So I think Jasper, you'll link that in, in the notes, but we're really proud of that site. It gives you an overview of a lot of the businesses that I started talking about that are within Nomad. We our direct booking site, you know, which we're gonna work on making that a subdomain of that Nomad Capital Ventures, but it's also another way to see our portfolio or just go to our Airbnb profile. But yeah, nomadcapitalventures.com is the chief place to find us. We have Nomad Hospitality Jacks on Instagram, which which is doing a lot of fun things. You can kind of see our our renovation journey. Carly and, and, and my wife are working on putting together some how-to videos and some good hacks on you know renovating for Airbnb guests that support not just your guests and their needs, but also you know your housekeeping teams and, and and things that are really helpful for them that are you know just lessons learned by doing it the wrong way when you first start out. So yeah, those yeah. those are two places I'd, I'd certainly say are are fun to fun to be in. Otherwise, on the awesome. investment side, LinkedIn, you know, we we show up there a lot. So yeah. Awesome. Last very random question. Have you used ChatGPT yet? I have. Yeah, I've used ChatGPT for a number of things. Actually, none business related. Like I've just kind of drafted some stuff and I like it. I probably just need to get our VA team to, you know, start inserting those in the listings because we just hate writing them. And it was so incredible to give a prompt and have a, a you know a nice neighborhood description in like four seconds. Yeah, I, I I know you've been you know kind of tracking. I got this other group that showed some really nice use cases for Chat GPT. I mean, I think that I'm learning from all, all the emerging Chat GPT uses. You can be incredibly detailed and constraining on the answer that you want to get, and mm-hmm. and it will deliver. So, like, you're you can get a kind of a generic input that's pretty high quality with loose guidance, or you can get some really tight guidance and be incredibly blown away with the output, which I think is just insanely remarkable. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I fully agree. Like, there's so much that you can tell it to do in order to customize like the result that you're looking for. It's yeah, it's definitely blown my mind. So that's it, Josh. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for for coming on the show. Good luck with your business, and hopefully, we'll be able to meet again in the future. Yeah, sounds great. Love to do it in Oaxaca again, but. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, that, thanks, that, thanks again for the was, time, Jeff. That was fun for yeah. for those who are for the listeners. That was our uh, our short mastermind live mastermind in Mexico last year, which was a lot of fun. So, anyway, thanks, Josh. Thanks for the listeners. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Friday with another podcast. So, see you then. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. Really hope you enjoyed the show. This episode is brought to you by the Rising Stars Mastermind, the only short-term rental mastermind for hosts focused on building hospitality brands, scaling their hosting companies. Now, this mastermind has been around for almost two years, but it's been exclusive to our Legends X graduates. But now, for the first time ever, we are actually opening it up, up to a select group of like-minded hosts to join us in the mastermind. Now, this is not a beginner mastermind. It's not for people who want to learn the basics around Airbnb and short-term rentals. What we focus on are the things that will allow us to really scale and grow, right? So we're talking about building systems. We're talking about how to 
build teams, how to hire the right people, how to develop your leadership skills, how to become the CEO of your company, uh, how to develop your brand and how to raise money. Now, if that's something that aligns with you and you're excited to work with us uh, for the next 12 months, then I invite you to chat with us to see if it's a win-win for you. Uh, you can find more information on the mastermind at overnightsuccess.io slash rs. And that's also where you can schedule a call with our team um, to discuss the mastermind and uh, see if it's a good fit. So uh, appreciate you all and we'll see you next time. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.